Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I welcome you to the podcast. What would you like to ask about today? Sure. So I'm 35, and for as long as I remember, since I was six or seven years old, I've struggled with uh, saying goodbye, the idea of things ending, and just this general concept of, of death itself. And uh, when I was younger, it manifested as fear and anxiety. And as I've gotten older, you know, I've sought out therapy and uh, spirituality has really helped. Um, and even just, you know, having a busier life, the fear and anxiety has dissipated, but the grief is still very much there. Mm. When it comes to life transitions, I really struggle with it, whether it's moving uh, to a different city or passing of a loved one. I would grieve very intensely for, for weeks, for months. And I think for a lot of people around me, it feels like a very sensitive topic for me or, and maybe sometimes an overreaction. Mm. Uh, the interesting thing is that even when my life is great, there's no change, there's no disruption, I still feel this underlying sadness that things will end one day and that we're all going to to die the people I love will pass away and I know that this is something that I'm sure so many people on this earth uh, think about and experience but for me it feels very much on the surface mm. and something that I, I think about very easily so I'm curious if you see anything that can help me understand this part of myself mm -hmm. and any guidance, you know, on how to continue to, to let go of this current attachment to whatever iteration of my life is going on at this time. Yeah. Yeah. This is very real. And of course, both as an astrologer, but also as a medium, I'm very interested in this topic. So I want to just ask you a couple kind of orienting questions here. Is your fear of death bigger than your fear of transitions? Or are they kind of the same? Is is there like one bigger than the other? My fear of death is the ultimate fear. Okay. So it's it's the biggest one. And mm -hmm. are you scared of dying or of being dead? I'm scared of losing the people around me and losing life. So it's not so much that I'll die one day, but that I won't have whatever this is in front of me. Mm. And is that because of how much you love what this is? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so it's not netted in a fear of what's next. It's more netted in uh, kind of love for or attachment to what is. That's right. Okay. Okay. That's really good. That's great information. And do you have any kind of spiritual convictions around what happens after death? No, I'm I'm very drawn to spirituality. I'm very drawn to, to leaders and uh, people who think a lot about this stuff and just different resources related to spirituality, but I have not found the one thing that's really grounded me or something that I could really believe in. Um, so I'm kind of continuously looking for spaces, mm -hmm. but I don't have like a particular religion where I've, you know, completely uh, committed to. Yeah, that makes mm -hmm. sense. That makes sense. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. And then can I share your birth info? Sure. Okay. So you were born December 24th, 1986 at 7.02 PM in Paramount, California. Okay. 
there's so much to talk about with this topic. Okay. And and I do see it in your chart. I'll say the second that I read your chart, and this is a just a tiny aside, but like fun fact about me, I never pay attention to sun sign. When I'm looking at people's questions, I have a really I'm really bad at being like, oh, this is a Capricorn because I read your question. I was like, oh, this person has a lot of Sagittarius in her chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, is is she her your pronouns? I forget. Yes, yes. Okay, cool. So I thought to myself, this person has a lot of Sagittarius in her chart. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But spoiler alert, you do. Okay. Um, so yes, you are a Capricorn, but very, very saggy. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that was my first instinct is because Sagittarius, like the stereotype we have is that it's like a positive, uh, optimistic sign, right? Mm-hmm. But the kind of shadow side of Sagittarius, and you've got Saturn, Mercury, Uranus, all in Sag, plus you've got Jupiter and Mars conjunct in the eighth house. The shadow side of Sagittarius or Jupiter is this feeling of like, everything is good, but there's more, you know? Yes, right. this moment is great, but there's going to be another moment. Yeah. yeah. And it's this form of depression that is not classic depression. It's yes. not like, you know, classic like Capricorn, like I feel bad. The world is shit. It's yeah. more, um, I feel bad because I know that there is bad, but there doesn't have to be bad. Yeah. 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 And this is a spiritual condition. It is a spiritual condition that is a result, from my perspective, it is a result of being so attuned to what could be that it's hard to stay present with what is. Right. And so before we get any deeper into any of the things, creating a practice around being present Mm -hmm. is the move, right? And I'll say lots of other things and I might even give you homework, but like, that's the move. That's the thing. And have you worked on that in your spirituality or with your therapists or whatever? Yes. It's the only thing that works. (laughs) I try to think my way out of it. You know, I try to come up with some big picture solution, but at the end of the day, it's just about being in the moment and I'm still, I think, seeking that big answer, you know, that's going to make sense of it all. But time and time again, the moments I've found peace is when I'm in in the moment. In the moment. Yes. So let's talk about why you're seeking the answer. In your birth chart, you are Capricorn, but you have a Sun-Neptune conjunction in the sixth house. This conjunction can make a person a little susceptible to like people who promise you an answer, uh, religious systems that promise you absolve, of being absolved, right? So it's right. it can kind of make you susceptible to like cults and cult leaders. And the reason why is because this aspect in the birth chart can incline you to wanting a perfect, pure yes. answer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little meta because before this call, I was thinking, don't look for, don't make our reading. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, and that's hard. I mean, it's really, it is your nature to be like, I am water and I will pour myself into this glass. Maybe this glass will make me feel safe. It will make me feel whole. And that's Neptune's Mishagas. It's almost like you don't need to be responsible for yourself and how you feel and how you function if there's an answer. Right. Yeah. And Sagittarius can kind of fuck with that too. So because you have all of these things happening in your birth chart, there's a way that 
you can want to find an answer so that you can find peace. And when you find peace, everything will be lovely. And when everything's lovely, you will never worry about death or endings in general, right? Yeah. That's, right. that's the thing. So right. this is the problem with all that Sagittarius and with Jupiter in general. It's like, when I find it, the thing, quote unquote, whatever the hell that means, everything will be rosy and perfect and lovely. Mm-hmm. And because I haven't found that thing, I am suffering and others will suffer. What I'm describing, it starts to sound a little like magical thinking. Yeah. Um, I imagine that you don't have like the you know psychological disorder of magical thinking, but you flirt with magical thinking a right. fair amount. Yeah, right. you do. Eh? Yeah. Right. And so this is where an earth-based or a, like a grounded, pragmatic, sixth house sun in Capricorn kind of spiritual practice is going to be the most important and the most effective for you okay. because there is in life action and consequence. And then there is in life complete mystery and everything is out of our fucking hands. And they're both true. And that's going to drive you bonkers, yeah. but they're both true. And most of the time, most in my view, most systems or people who are promising you a perfect answer cannot be trusted mm-hmm. because there is no perfect answer. Yeah. Especially not to life. Life is bullshitty. I mean, I don't want to pursue Capricorn on Capricorn violence here, but you know, life is hard. <laughs> yeah. hard. Life is hard. Life is hard. And, <laughs> yeah. and you will have good hours and shit hours and good years and shit years. And right. in the shit years, amazing things can happen. And in the good years, terrible things can happen and right. on and on. What you have been seeking is safety and assurances from the outside to make your insights feel better. Right. When what you need is to cultivate uh, presence and a relationship with yourself where you have confidence in your ability to respond and to handle shit. Yeah. And that is very hard to do before the age of 35. It's okay. It's very hard to do before the age of 35. And the cool thing is at around 35, we go through a Saturn transit, even though, you know, I've been doing what I do for a living for many years since since I was very young. I always have felt that when I turned 35, that was when my life really began. That's when shit really clicked because something happens where you're just like, oh, oh, this is what life is. This is who I am. Have you been experiencing that this year? Yes. 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 It's classic of this age. Somebody hearing this when they're in their 20s is going to be like, oh, no, I'll be so old. Uh, that's a long you time. Know, <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's really not. Right? It's, it's right? just how long it takes to get to know yourself. Yeah. For most of us. And even those of us who really know ourselves, something changes in the mid 30s. With this, I want to say that life will throw you curveballs. Some adjustments will be improvements. Some adjustments will be neutral. And some adjustments will suck You'll deal because the irony in this is you're very good at dealing with things. You're not good at dealing with things when you're imagining them happening. Yeah. But when things are actually happening, you're great. Yes. I think that's one of the things that's helped me manage the anxiety is just life experience. You know, knowing that I've done it before, I've gone through things before and that I'll continue to to figure things out and, and you know, change happens and it's been good. It's been bad. And I get stuck in, in that tension and I think it's something that will always be there but I do think like you said as I've approached maybe 35 or just gotten older that I feel more confident you know in 
just focusing on what is yeah. <laughs> and not what could be. It's kind of ironic that you've developed more confidence and ability to do that during a terrifying pandemic, right? Like yeah. it just goes to show that it is not your circumstances that define your ability to cope. That's not actually the thing. It's right. that when you're thinking about the risk of having to cope, you panic. When shit right. gets on fire, you're good. Right. And that kind of clarifies the problem. The problem is psychological, emotional, spiritual. It's not material. You tell right. yourself it's a material problem, but right. it's actually more of a mental problem, which isn't better or worse, but it is clarifying. Yes. Which brings me to some other shit. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's do a damn thing. So I'm ready. <laughs> I, I, know you I know you're ready to do this. So did you, did both of your parents, are they American? Did they immigrate from somewhere? Yes. My dad immigrated from Hong Kong and my mother immigrated from Taiwan. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I ask this because you've got Pluto in the fourth house and it's square to the ascendant. You've also got that Jupiter Mars conjunction in the eighth. I could actually name a few other things in your chart, but let's just start there. What this indicates is that one or both of your parents left something behind. Like they left things behind that they meant to leave, that they really wanted to leave behind. And they left behind a lot of things that they didn't want to leave behind. Does this right. make sense to you? Was yes. that both of them or just one of them? Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And their relationship to control and safety is yeah. very tenuous. Yes. It's, it's not great. Mm -hmm. And their way of handling it was different from each other. Like your mother's way was different than your dad's way. But the thing they had in common was hold on for grim fucking death. Like you hold on tight because you can't trust outside. You can't right. trust outside systems. You can't trust communities. Right. You have to become self-reliant. Otherwise, everything can fall apart at any moment. And yes. they don't just have that thought they've had that lived experience right you haven't but they have yes so this is where we see the articulation of both an epigenetic issue right it's in your it's in your dna it's in your genes this lived experience because your parents experienced it and that's yeah. how epigenetics work but it's also psychological and emotional because right. you were raised by these people with these values and these experiences and so it's really important to be able to sit with this. And I just need to like pull myself back and say, as I'm saying this to you, I can see energetically a couple things are happening for you. Part of you, like the the analytic part of you is like leaning in. You've thought about this stuff. You've talked about this stuff. This yeah. is actually an interesting topic to you. Right. And then there's an emotional part of yourself that is pulling away. And that emotional part that's pulling away is doing so because you were raised to protect your parents and, and their privacy. Right. <laughs> and we're getting into a topic that's not exactly yours. It is 150% yours and yeah. it's not. Right. Yeah. And this is not uncommon, I think, for children um, of immigrants or for uh, families that are like raised in communities that are not completely their own communities. This, this feeling of like, I have to protect my family mm -hmm. um, and I have to protect how they come across Right. It's like, it's such a burden. Right. And it's, it's really heavy. And, yeah. and, and your chart articulates this. Yeah. I was doing a mental calculation as you were talking about, you know, you know, wanting to affirm a lot of what you said, because it's a hundred percent true, but trying to be careful about 
casting them in a particular light yeah. or not revealing too much. So that's a hundred percent where my mind was going. And it's true. I, I grew up with a lot of fear and anxiety and just this general sense that bad things were going to happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, is reflective of how both of my parents grew up around a lot of uncertainty and, and some chaos too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It looks like they grew up around violence. Yes. And the violence wasn't just like in their individual environment. It was a violence that was out of control that was like in the larger world. Right. Right. And they very much imparted to you, not inaccurately, that anything can go wrong at any moment and you would have no control and suffer. Right. And they're not wrong. I mean, I mean, I I have a similar upbringing. I'm not going to tell you that's wrong. That's just wrong. That's right. Right, I think I think they're right. I think your worries are fair. The end. (laughs) And and we're done. Have a nice life. Um, Yes, exactly. But I I do think that there's like layers on which to cope with this. Right. And we're not going to get into your parents story, but it is important that we touched on the fact that like you pulled back because this is part of what gets in the way of you getting into healing this for yourself because you're protecting them. I imagine when you're talking with a therapist alone, not just when you're on, a, you know, like having a reading on a podcast or whatever, but like yeah. there is a way that your survival mechanism kicks in to protect them. And that is not a bad instinct, but it does come at the expense of understanding yourself. Right. Right. And it is not a betrayal of them to be different than them in this way. Yeah. But honest, on a like deep unconscious survival mechanism level, they think it is and you think it is. Yeah. Even internally, you know, not talking to somebody else, when I have a thought that feel, it feels harsh, mm-hmm. you know, and it feels like I'm being unfair. And, and these are just thoughts within myself. And I've had to kind of figure out how to say something that's kind of negative that happened to me growing up without that immediate but you know mm-hmm. they were going they went through a hard time for but you know they're they, had, they came to America and all this stuff happened to them it's hard to just let it sit with okay this is like kind of the bad thing that happened when I was yeah. a kid you know yeah. yeah I will say if there's any reason to be in therapy it's this it's not your anxiety it's not your fear of transition if you work on this, then those things change. Mm. And it's the last thing you want to work on. I mean, listen, I look at your chart and and I do absolutely see, and we're not going to like get into details. You know, you know, your parents' story, right? And yeah. you know your own childhood, right. but I can absolutely see the terror that they lived with. And I see the losses they endured. And I see the ways in which it inspired them to do more, create more, be more in the ways it made them hard and shut down and become cruel to themselves and sometimes the people that they love the most. Yeah. Yeah. There's no value judgment on that. It, It is what it is. But if you do not give yourself the grace of having your own lived experience and your own story, then you're going to unintentionally do exactly what they don't want for you which is to essentially live their trauma. Mm-hmm. They do want that from you because right. they want you to to be able to identify with them. They want you to be safe. And also they definitely don't want that for you. It's 
complicated because humans yeah. are so fucked up and complicated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> but but you know, if you are in therapy, are you in therapy with somebody who has a similar cultural or racial background from you? I have been in the uh -huh. past. Mm -hmm. It might be easier to talk about this stuff with someone who has a similar background. Right. Right. Certainly somebody who is from immigrants who had to struggle, that would right. be a lot easier because this instinctive foundational impulse that you have to protect your family at all costs from outsiders, mm -hmm. it's not going to go away. Right. I don't encourage you to get rid of it, but it's more about having a more flexible relationship with it. Right. And so that's that's my vote for exploring that, you know, whether okay. it's with your current therapist or or finding someone else. If you, you know, if you really love your therapist, stick with your therapist. But that's <laughs> something to, to ex experiment with because Pluto in the fourth house is a really difficult placement. It means all the things I said about your family, but it also means that you didn't feel safe at home. Right. And not feeling safe at home is not very uncommon. Maybe it's more uncommon to feel safe at home. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I but like to like, think that. Right? I mean, I, you know, I mean, I don't Everyone's know. Like I this. don't know. Exactly. <laughs> but this Pluto placement, it communicates that you imprinted their trauma in a very dramatic way. Dramatic to you. Okay. So whether or not there was great trauma in your childhood, which, you know, it looks like there was some trauma in your childhood. Right. But regardless of that, you just really resonate with their trauma and with the parts of their story they have and the parts of their story that they have not told you. Yes. Because they have not told you all the parts and it's very obvious to you, eh? Yeah. 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 It's interesting that you say that because they do spend a lot of time imagining mm -hmm. what it's like in their situation, even like you said, in situations where I don't know their past. I would spend time thinking about, yeah. you know, the different possibilities of what type of hardships that they've been through. And I didn't even think about my parents with this. And they also have fear around death. They, they feel really strongly attached to a lot of things. And um, I have a sister and I think she kind of more or less has a lot of this energy too. So mm -hmm. this is a huge thing in your chart, you know, and, right. and you wouldn't need an astrologer to tell you that, but it is written in your chart. And it's not something I'm encouraging you to get rid of or shake because it's part of who you are. Right. But if you don't explore it and practice tolerating it a little more, not the ideas and the stories, because that you do a lot of, mm -hmm. but feelings, then you will unintentionally end up carrying that trauma with you through your life, even though they did their best, whether they did it well or not is a different conversation, but they did their best to not have you have that experience. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. You are really woo. You're pretty woo. And so in those moments where you're not activated around all the stuff we've been talking about, yeah, you have faith. Not that everything's yeah. going to be lovely, yeah. but that you can kind of like ebb and flow with things. Yeah. You do. Yeah. So I will say that's yours. That That is who you are. I will also say it came that like part of your nature came to you from parents who found a way out of really scary situations and they did create a much better life here. Mm-hmm they're doing quite well, like on the outside. Right. It looks like they're doing great. 
you know, yes, they live in constant terror that they'll lose it. Yes, yes. That's, their, that's their shit. <laughs> but you don't only have this model of things being scary and dangerous. You also have the model of choices can be made that will, over the course of time, improve your conditions and make you feel good. Right. Within this, I want to say you're exactly where you should be right now. You know, I mean, you're suffering. I'm sorry. <laughs> but like you're in the right place with your suffering because it's empowering you to do this work, to explore these concepts yeah. so you can make changes. Right. And there isn't a magic bullet or an answer to this, but there is a way that you can engage with your different parts so that you can achieve greater flexibility with your rigid parts right. and a little bit more patience and presence with your restless parts and find a way to honor the privacy of your family or your parents to honor your family legacies and, and mm -hmm. you know, your cultural and epigenetic history right. and also who you are, where you are and the choices that you want to make here and now, because mm -hmm. Okay, you've got this North Node conjunction to the Midheaven in Aries. And this is a very strong story. And what this story is, is that you have come here in this life to figure out who the fuck you are, which means you did not come here inherently knowing it or finding this easy. Okay. And to create a material life, and I don't mean like material, like money. I just mean mm -hmm. like not just a spiritual life, like a, a life, a life path that is a reflection of who you actually are. And so kind of working with and breaking through a lot of the stuff we're talking about is a part of that journey. And you've probably heard me say before on the podcast, I don't ever expect anyone to embody their North Node before the age of 40. I just, that's not how birth charts work in my view. Mm -hmm. This struggle you're having is the struggle you need to have in order to get to that place. I think a lot of these tension is it does come from a place where I'm just there's uncertainty. <laughs> it's just you know, a little overwhelming just thinking about it all. And I feel like this calling for finding myself my entire life, you know, and, and it has been a struggle to kind of weed out what's from my parents, what's from society. And I do feel like I have a strong sense of myself, but it's just kind of wrapped up in a lot of things and so all of this makes sense that that's the path that I'm on right now and it's what I'm working towards and I'm, I'm trying to to think about how this relates to I guess just this overall sadness that I feel there's a lot of I think hope and growth in how I think about my future but there's a flip side of it where I also just see a lot of grief you know over mm -hmm. losing things so I would like to believe that the more I'm me and the more I find myself, I'll strengthen and be able to to let go of that attachment. But I'm not making that connection. Yeah. Yeah. So let me speak to that because I really love the way you said it. You're not just talking about being sad. You're talking about your attachment to your sadness. Yes. Right? Yeah. Because I think you are wise to not make it a goal to not be sad. 
Um, right. There's nothing wrong with being sad. Life is fucking trash. <laughs> Be sad, you know? I mean, like, yeah. I'm down for that. Happiness right. is great for people who are, you know, wired that way. And it's right. fine if you're not. But right. it's the attachment piece. And this is yeah. where I want to come back to Neptune. And that Neptune-Sun conjunction. Because that Neptune-Sun conjunction can be idealistic in mm-hmm. a way that is seeking perfection and purity. Yes. And until you have perfection and purity, there's an attachment to what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong, wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. What's yes. Right. So you're looking for the reason why, so you can fix the reason why, so you can get to that perfection and purity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't exist. Perfection <laughs> or purity is not. That's right. Not a thing. Yeah. Thanks just for the a, reminder. You're welcome. You're welcome. Any day, anytime, any day. There's just it's not a thing, right? And some people right. will say it's a thing. You know, certainly very religious people will say it's a thing, or very atheist right. people will say it's a thing. But it's a it's a slippery slope to not taking agency for your actions, not considering mm-hmm. the context, the social, political, uh, you know, the time we're in context right. of right. what you're feeling. I don't know. Is it kind of shitty to not be sad all the time? I would say I think it's shitty to not be sad yeah. sometimes because the world is real sad. Right. You right. know, the the part that you're speaking to where you're sad about transitions, mm-hmm. it's because you fear fundamentally that whatever comes on the other side of this bend is worse than what was before it. Yeah. Or you will not have control. And if you don't have control, then you don't have agency. If you don't have agency, then you have to rely on other people and people are not reliable. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is really about developing a relationship with yourself where you have more willingness and confidence, A, to trust yourself and B, to fuck up. Mm -hmm. And this is like classic Saturnian or Capricorn lesson, which is that Failing at things does not make you a failure. Fucking up does not make you a fuck up. You know, it's uh, very hard to trust that uh, in particular with your with your family background, because there's like this real survival mechanism associated with it. The thing that I think is so difficult is that your ability to handle things is not your problem. It's just not your problem. But your fear that things will take a turn and that you won't be able to handle them yeah, is a problem. Right. And within this, you are, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to try to convince you that you can handle everything. <laughs> you can't. No, yeah. Nobody can. I'm right. not going to try to convince you of anything because honestly, you know better. Right. This is part of the problem. It's about your willingness to, like I said, fail to struggle, uh, to falter, to be out of control yeah, and to not have that, that thing define you, but instead your response to whatever struggle you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're actually very good at that. When push comes to shove, you're not good about that. When you're thinking about it about to happen. Yes. Yes. It is an overall struggle to accept life as it is. Yes. (laughs) and all the different ways you know it's I want it to be perfect I want it to last forever I want it to just be about love and being together and I struggle with it thinking about things politically you know and and I wish that things weren't the way they were and on an existential level this idea that we need to move on and, and bad things can happen it's even though I've accepted it on some level 
deep, deep down, I really <laughs> have not accepted it. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah. okay. So you're just speaking about your Jupiter Mars conjunction in Pisces in the eighth house right now. That's what you're talking about. Also your sun Neptune conjunction, but there's two parts of what you're saying. One part is eh, you're not completely in acceptance that you're alive in a body, right? Mm. That's a sun Neptune conjunction thing. It's just like, what's a body? What's 3d? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, are we really here? Is this a yeah. simulation? Right. Right. Um, very sun Neptune conjunction. So many times. <laughs> I'm sure you have, and you will again, and you will again. So there is there is that part. But the other part is everything should be a fairy tale. Everything should be lovely. Everything yes. should be positive. But right. every single thing dies. Yes. Everything dies. Yes. Every single thing has seasons and changes. And if you were to stand, you know, on 5th and Main, uh, you would walk over the 5th and Main at 5 p.m. on Tuesday and you would stand there and you weren't to move at all. Everything would change around you. The light would change. The temperature would change. Different people would come and go. Cars would come and go. People would fuck with you. People would ask you if you needed help. All kinds of things would happen, even if you didn't change. Right. right? So the very nature of the material condition of being a person, I mean, I could say of being any alive at all, but just of being a human, right? Yes. Is change. Right. And the beautiful thing about nature is that if you think of like a tree or a flower, right? Yeah. It grows and it grows and it grows. And then it makes these beautiful flowers or fruits or leaves or whatever. And then it drops them right. and it drops them. And then those things rot in the ground and it looks like shit and it becomes fertilizer, right? It becomes mm -hmm. post and then right. it adds to life. So the cycle of growth and then kind of creation and fruition and abundance yeah. and then loss Right. And then mess and then transmutation and fertilization. And then on we go. That is the cycle of all living things. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm speaking to your Jupiter Mars conjunction again, the part of you that has faith in, in, in the interconnection. Yeah. Yeah. There is a part of me that sees the beauty of everything that you've described and, and understands that this is, this is the thing that makes us who we are and makes the world such a, a beautiful, wonderful place. And I can tap into that energy. And then there's another part of me that just still wants everything to stay still. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. It's so yes. odd. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I mean, odd or not, it is a part. These are parts of you. Yeah. And what you have done because the world has made it either necessary or seductive because of your childhood, because of your epigenetics, what you have done is you have fixated on and seized upon that part. And it's just a part, but that part that is terrified of change, terrified yeah. of losing control, terrified of endings, which includes, but is not limited to death. Right. And then there's this, these other parts. And so what the move is at this stage is to strengthen your other parts, not to weaken your fear of death or your fear of change okay. because that's your survival mechanisms and you cannot shoot down your survival mechanisms. That's All right. that does is makes them stronger, right? Which is why, you know, if you have parents who sacrifice everything to create a life that's safer for you than what they had, and then you do something like, I don't know, go to art school or something that they think is not the thing right? to them, it's like the end of the fucking world because yeah. it's that survival mechanism thing, right? Although are your parents actually controlling about what you do for career? No. Or it doesn't look like it. Yeah. They have anxieties, but they don't 
try and control me. It doesn't look like it. I mean, Mm -hmm. your parents' control is around your existential safety. Yes. It's not really about your material thing. So I meant that as like a metaphor as opposed to like a literal example. But you get where I'm going here. Really what it's about is strengthening these other parts so that instead of this fear of change, fear of death thing being like the loudest voice, you can Mm -hmm. have them all be the equal volume so that you have more agility in where you act from. Because that part of you that is scared of death is human. That part of you that is scared of change and losing control is a form of vigilance that can keep you safe when shit goes sideways. Yeah. It can make you attuned to danger or to things being off balance in a meaningful way. So we don't want to get rid of this part of you. We just don't want it driving the car like a mean dad all the time, which is what's happening. Just like yelling at everyone, deciding where you go. This is within your nature to do. And that said, you know, most people are scared of death. Most people are scared of transition. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think about distractions. I, I struggle with the difference between staying present and being distracted. Mm. Um, and sometimes it feels like it's the same thing. You know, it's easier to, to focus on something that doesn't matter or something that's numbing because it's easier to replace what you don't want to think about with something that you don't really care about than to replace it with something meaningful. Mm -hmm. Do you have thoughts about that? I sure do. I mean, you said it, it's numbing. And being numb is better than being in a state of panic or anxiety or depression, right? So there's a great value in it as a step, as a phase of development. What happens to most people is that we get stuck there in a state of distraction. Right. Right. And when you get stuck in a state of distraction, it stunts the emotional development. And when our emotional development is stunted, everything suffers. Right. Right. And so when you're activated in a state of anxiety or panic or whatever, yes, distract yourself. Right. So you can get to a state of neutrality. Right. But then when you start to feel better, it's not return to the scene of the crime and rehab yourself. That's not the move. Right. It's find something constructive so that you go from I'm losing my shit to, okay, huh, okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm fine, everything's okay right now, to mm-hmm. how can I take care of myself or right. what do I need? Right. So it's about adding a step. You know, when you say distract, there's so many different ways to distract. You have a Sun, mm-hmm. Neptune conjunction in the sixth house. To me, and it's in Capricorn, so to me, that's most likely to be uh, serial, so like TV shows as opposed to movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Capricorn loves to watch like seasons and episodes. Yes. Um, and the other thing would be video games, any kind of like scrolling. Mm-hmm. Neptune, that's not how Neptune loves to disassociate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be drugs, but your system, I mean, you're very controlling. So I imagine that drugs are not exactly the most attractive thing to you. Is right. that right? Yeah. Right. I, I have... what I call an addictive personality. And so there's the part of me that doesn't want to go there because I know how hard it is for me. Yeah. Yeah. Smart. And do you metabolize alcohol well? Um, I think so. Um, I imagine that's a limited time offer, honey, Um, Mm. because you and sugar are not BFFs and alcohol Mm. just, you know, it's just pure sugar in the body. So, um, you know, it's definitely something to be mindful of, especially if you physiologically have issues with sugar. 
yeah, alcohol is something to be a little bit weary of for your system. You've got that Mars-Jupiter conjunction, so you can drink, but you I don't think you should. Is that your like favorite substance to use when you use substances? Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. So, I, just, yeah. I just shit on it. I just, <laughs> you're like, always food right. drink. but you know, you can, but I agree you're, you're addictive. Right. And so yeah. it's, it's about like enjoying it as a way to like, you know, come down or have fun with people, whatever it is, as opposed to self-medicating with it. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's a little sticky. So, okay. All of that said, bear with me. Let me just ground back into your question. Before I like give you more words to it, I'll say this. I'm a medium. I talk to dead people. I talk to a lot of dead people. And mm-hmm. because I've talked to dead people and I'm talking to you over Zoom right now, yeah. eh, there's not a big difference, you know, mm. or whatever that's worth. It's yeah. not like when I talk to dead people, I'm talking to a ghost. Like right. that's not what's happening. I'm right. talking to a person who's not in a body and not fixed in location or time. Right. And I'm now talking to you who's in a body. You're fixed in location. You're fixed in time, but you're on Zoom. Yeah. So, you know, theoretically, you could be AI and I wouldn't know it. I mean, I don't think that's happening. But what I'm trying to say is I have this unique perspective of talking to dead people. And they're not really dead. I mean, they're for sure dead. I have been bereaved. People I love have died and they're dead people to me. Right. But, But they're not dead. They're living. Yeah, very much living. It's just yeah. change. And it's a change that we have no control over, but we adapt to. All of us adapt. Right. I, I actually find great comfort when I hear you connect with people who've passed because of that exact reason. It's interesting because I personally, it's not like I have per se beliefs about what happens after you die, but right. I've just talked to so many dead people that I have experience with that, right? Yeah. And, because of that, I personally am scared of dying because it can mm-hmm. be full and, you know, prolonged and all this kind of crap. Right. But I've met people who've died in terrible ways, truly yeah. terrible ways. But I've never met anyone who is particularly attached to their mm. death or mm. the way they felt when they were dying. Even people who spent decades sick and suffering. It's kind of like... If you're stuck on the train and you're miserable and you're just like surrounded by sweaty, annoying people and you just want to go home and you're like sick of it. And the second you're off the train, it's done. So maybe you're still agitated or whatever. You have feelings. You have that experience, but you're no longer on the train. It's done. It's the same thing thing with being dead. It's like people don't seem to be very attached to it because you're no longer in the body. And so for me, the kind of important thing about the fear of death is that it's truly a fear of the unknown and being out of control with the unknown. Yeah. I think that for you, working on your relationship to control Mm -hmm. and to safety and all the things we've been talking about will take care of that. And I don't mean take care of it, like fix it in a perfect way, because again, there's no perfect, but it will soothe, care for, and uh, support that part of yourself. Yeah. So what you've been doing is like, accurately seeing these parts of yourself and being like, well, I'm going to try to work on this, this like fear of death, fear of transitions. But that's not exactly the thing to work on. If you work on the root issues, then you end up healing those bigger things. That makes complete sense. It makes so much sense. (laughs) I know exactly 
what you're talking about. And I think there was a part of me that was hoping that I would get something kind of mystical, you know what yeah, I mean? With something sure. yeah. uh, spiritual that I could, that could kind of link things together, but I struggle so much with control and mm. I want to believe that I, I've managed it to a certain extent, but it permeates everything. Right. Mm. And I think when I was, I was young, it was very intense, this feeling of control and there was a deep fear, but because I've made progress and because it's like you said, you know, bad things would happen. I would figure it out. It wouldn't be a big deal. I had this history and um, examples that I could look to. I felt like, oh, I've figured out this control thing. <laughs> yeah. I've controlled this control thing. And then it's very still, Capricorn. That's the most still... Capricorn thing you've said the whole time. Just the control the control. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm, you know, realizing that that's very much not the case and, and it's coming up in different ways and, and that that's, that's okay. And um, do you mind if I just ask you one more like Go for it. mystical question? And yeah. it's when you do speak to somebody who's past, do you ever feel that they miss being on earth or, you know, being alive or you they miss the people uh, that they've left behind? Or is that not usually yes. the case. Yes, sometimes. So usually when people miss being on this earth, they pass young. Yeah. Or they feel that they didn't use their time. Yeah. Typically, that feeling of they didn't use their time is because they had addiction. That's been my experience. Uh. Or because they just really didn't, they weren't able to live in the way that they that they wanted. Right. But these kinds of regrets that yes can translate to missing are a part of from my perspective the soul's journey of healing because if i i don't know walk up to you and steal your juice box mm -hmm. and then i walk away with no remorse it may be when i have enough time to myself that i'm like oh wow i was a real dick and i stole mm -hmm. your fucking juice box right. and now i have to live with the fact that i stole your juice box and you didn't have any juice right, right. and when I see that form of suffering for the dead, I do not feel bad about it. I understand. And so do they. Mm -hmm. That's their journey is mm -hmm. to be in their own lived experience and right. to heal. Um, in terms of missing people, it's complicated for me to answer because you've asked a very 3D question. Mm -hmm. It's very mm -hmm. hard to like talk about this stuff yeah. and think about this stuff. But right. You and I are in different physical locations, right? And we are both in uh, September of 2022, right? Mm -hmm. But when you are no longer in a body, there's no more there there. There's no more physical location and there's no more time, which means that a dead person can be, you know, chilling on a beach in Croatia and hanging out with their mom who's still on this earth and staying really loyal to their bestie and checking out yada yada and this is very hard to conceive of in the material mm -hmm. plane but we are not limited it's just like you're sitting here and you're talking to me yeah. and you're present but you're also thinking about what you have to do after the call and you're also remembering something that happened in your childhood and thinking maybe i should ask jessica this question right, right. you're in lots of places right so it's kind of like that we can be okay. in many places so if a person who's in spirit wants to be connected to someone who's still on this earth they'll just be connected to someone who's still on this earth 
Mm. It, it is that simple. Mm. Um, but it's not literal from our 3D perspective. Right, right. And that's helpful to know. Be. Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. This is the thing. Like, you know, again, I'm a medium. I've lost people. And it's mm-hmm. not like I'm talking to them all the damn time. Some right. some mediums might be, I guess. But, yeah. you know, it's not like that because when somebody dies, they die. They are mm-hmm. not here anymore. That's mm-hmm. real. When you moved to the area you live in, you no longer lived in the area you grew up in. Right. That's how that works. It's right. an ending. And it's also, I mean, you could just get on a plane and a car on a train. You can get back there and it would still be there and you would right. be there. Right? right. So it's like, it's changes. It's a weird thing. You can return, but you're no longer the same, but yeah. you can always return. Right. Life is a pain in the ass. Nothing is safe. Life is tragedy and suffering. Life is glorious. It is the greatest gift in the world. It is joy and love and connectivity. And they're both true. Mm-hmm. And if you are a child of trauma, then you will see it as all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And you've Pluto in the fourth house. So ding, ding, ding. You get all or nothing. (laughs) Um, And and that means that when you fall back into your survival mechanisms, it's either or all nothing. Yes. And that's how you know you're in your survival mechanisms. You think you're being rational. You think you're being reasonable. You're in your survival mechanisms. Right. When you are still accessing your survival mechanisms, but not being driven by them in the same way, then you can be like either or, and also maybe could Mm -hmm. be once was. That's right. right. So it's about strengthening your other parts so they can cohabitate with your survival mechanisms. And in that process, win the trust of your survival mechanisms that you are an adult resource yeah. that is reliable so that your survival mechanisms can kind of go offline right. or go from being on at a 10 to being on at a six yeah. and then maybe a three. And I know you do this already. Yeah sometimes but it feels like you don't have a great deal of agency or control over when you do it yes yeah it's it's so interesting because um this deep sadness that i feel sometimes when you know when everything's great and nothing's wrong there's no changes but i still feel just this this ongoing grief underneath i think that is the survival mechanism yes i've never thought about it that way before I just think it's like this random spiritual thing that all mm-hmm. of a sudden I feel sadness and all of a sudden I'm kind of drawn into this um, all or nothing thinking and just real desire to to keep things as is, real desire to to keep this moment that's good mm-hmm. um, forever. I think there's a, a beauty to it sometimes that I attach to because I'm like, I'm appreciating it. You know, I'm enjoying the person in front of me. I'm enjoying my life. I like it so much that I'm struggling, but there's something about it. When I tell people, they're just like, that's odd. (laughs) That's like an odd way of thinking (laughs) of enjoying something. And I think it's what you're, you're talking about is some of that trauma coming up. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Wow. And you know, within this, it's a good idea to pay attention when that feeling comes up of like, I love this so much. Now I'm in grief over it. Yeah. What has happened over the last couple of days? That's the right. thing to notice because if let's say you read about, you know, all the States in the U S that don't have any water all of a sudden, yeah. or yeah. like what's happening in any of the regions of the world that are just heartbreaking, right. including your own town. Right. Right. 
Right. Let's say you've been exposed to some information. It really got you in the heart, but you were living your life and you were going through the motions and there's nothing you can do. So, you know, you're just going to live your life. Yes. Okay. Expect within the next 72 hours, you're going to be in grief about something good. Right. Right. Because it's like your psyche is like placing it someplace. Yes. That you can make sense of. It's like literal and in your life. It's like, oh, this is a good feeling in the sea of scary things. I can't lose this good thing because of all yeah. the scary things. Yeah. So again, it's a survival mechanism and it's not a bad one. You know, mm -hmm. as far mm -hmm. as survival mechanisms go, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of logic to it. It, it <laughs> yeah. makes sense. It's not, it's not like destroying anyone else's life, but yeah. yours. Right. Yeah. So that's cool. <laughs> a lot of people's survival mechanisms harm other people. Right. right. You don't. I'm just silently grieving. That's yeah. it. <laughs> you're, su you're suffering all the time. You're suffering yeah. all the time. That's it. Yeah. But in regards to the survival mechanism, the fact is that you can work on this. You can come to healing and it does matter that you're not harming others with it. Yeah. It does matter. And this is why I say it's it's not the worst survival mechanism. It's absolutely not working for you. It absolutely mm -hmm. needs support and love and a, right. a better, better kind of like concert members to make right. it a better, a better song. Right. But you know, it's valuable to be able to say to your survival mechanisms, hey, I see yeah. you. Yeah. Like, you know, this is actually serving me. Like, I, yeah. I can be grateful that I have found a way to torture myself, but yeah. not others. I yeah. can be grateful that I have, like, love and appreciation netted into my anxiety. Yeah. And also, time for change, time for expansion. Like, yeah. I'm going to work on other things. But when we demonize our survival mechanisms, it makes it harder to heal them. Because yes. it activates them. Yes. Yes. Uh, something's clicking for me right now because I think at this stage in my life, when this stuff comes up, I get frustrated because I thought, how am I still dealing with this? How am I still in this dark place? And there is this desire of really like wanting it to go away. Mm -hmm. And the more that I think I do that, the more I feel attached to it, where something would be good. I'd be good for a couple of days and then. I would feel, don't forget, don't forget that everything's really bad. And that everything's going to end one day and you're too happy right now. You know, like, like I feel so attached to this, this grief that I have. And I think it's because I'm rejecting it. Right. Because I, yeah. I just want it to get rid of it completely. That there's a part of my brain. that's like friendly reminder, you know, everything is going to end one day. And yeah. I'm just like, why am I, why am I, you know, going there? But maybe if it's more integrated, maybe if I can accept it, like you said, as something that's served me, it doesn't come out in this yeah. you know, very aggressive the, way. It, it can come to the point where you're like, friendly reminder, I will suffer and so will everyone I've ever had contact with. Yes. And you can be like, yes, that I accept that. Yeah. I'm not fighting that. Right. Accept that. And how can I honor this moment? Yeah. It's about not allowing the moment to define you like not every failure not every feeling not every loss not every gain is a defining thing yes they're yes. all the tapestry is what defines right. us not the right. details the pinpricks right right your survival mechanisms are so strong that sucks for you in a lot of ways and it's wonderful for you in a lot of ways yeah getting more curious about that will really serve you. There are a lot of resources that are out there that you can learn from about epigenetics, survival mechanisms, right. and a fear of let it, losing control. And none of them are going to fix your problems. 
None of them are going to solve your problem. None of them. <laughs> Thanks Let's for the reminder. Discuss. Yeah, this is just the expectation. Ain't going to happen. But, but it, it will empower you to understand that what you experience is actually very human. Yeah. And there's a cultural context. There's like physiological context. And that gives you a little more space because it's not like, what's wrong with me? Which yeah. is what happens. You clench yeah. up what's wrong with me. Now, when you clench, your survival mechanisms are like in full gear. Yeah. So it can help you to be like, oh, shit, this is where I start to panic. Okay, cool. I'm going to make a different choice right now. And that choice might be put on TV, scroll, like you know, to get to a state of neutrality. And then when you're in a state of neutrality, you do that healthy thing you do. Like, you know, or whatever it is, like a breath work thing or a vagus nerve thing or whatever it is. Then you take that next step. It's like identify your slipping go to a state of distraction, go yes. from a state of distraction to a positive action or a positive yes. reflection. That's yes. the, that's the move. Right. And it requires being able to identify I'm in my survival mechanisms right now. Right. Right. That's the hardest part of this whole thing is right. being able to identify as it's happening instead of when you're already like under sea level. Mm-hmm. Right. That's mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. most of us notice it is when we're drowning. So it's a practice and you will for sure fuck up sometimes. And you'll yeah. do all the right things and it won't work sometimes. Right. And that's just being a person. I love how you have to keep reminding me that because there's a part of me that's just like, oh, done. I figured yeah. this out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You've yes. given me a three-step process. Yes. <laughs> it's a prescription. You're chill. Yeah. But but this is the problem is that getting it right means failing. Yeah. Getting it right means not getting it right all the time. Right. Because it is through our struggles and our failures that we learn. So what you're struggling with, the very things we're talking about, and I don't want this to sound too idealistic, but it is actually like a reflection of your parents' dreams coming true. Yeah. That you have the freedom to work on this psychologically. Right. That is that is what they wanted for you, want for you. Yes. And it's what they did not have. Right. right. So this is something so powerful because you have the opportunity to be in a state of reflection and to use your resources to access spiritual and psychological, physical support, you know, and this is a really beautiful thing. And when you falter or fail, or you forget to do the things, or you have a shit month or whatever it is, you can be like, yeah, but I actually get to bounce back. I have all of these resources. Right. And that's a gift. Right. You can beat yourself up and be like, oh, I fucked it up. But Mm -hmm. it's really about, oh, I I needed to learn this. Like I I struggled. I lost track of myself, but I don't have to. Right. That's a good thing for your survival mechanisms to hear. Right. Right. Now, I know we've touched on a lot of things, but I want to just, before we wrap up, check with you and see is anything kind of lingering in your head? Like, do you have any kind of final questions? No, it's, this is, everything's clicking for me in a very real way. And yeah, yeah. I think it's issues that I know is, is in me, but have not kind of been able to connect. I think a lot of the questions that I would ask you is like, well, what about this or that? Or, you know, if I try to control this more, if I pick the right job, well, I have, you know, that's, that's yes. honestly like a thought I had. I was like, well, maybe I'll ask Jessica if my job is right, because maybe if my job is right, then I'll fix this part of myself. <laughs> there you go. So you it's got it. So that, you've got that, it. Yeah, you've exactly yeah. got it because it's not about not having those thoughts or having those feelings. Yeah. It's about recognizing them and being like, okay, 
that's my survival mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. That's yeah. the move. So, so any question that I have for you is, is just a little bit irrelevant because there are questions okay. about control. And there's a part of me that's just like, well, just ask her, just make confirm that your job is right for you. But I think that that's not. Um, I, I agree with you. It's not yeah. the thing. It's really yeah. not the thing. And I, it's funny you say that because throughout our conversation, there's been a couple moments where I wanted to ask you what you did for a living. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. And you could like Google your birth chart and some astrologers might look at your birth chart and really want right. to fixate on career. Right. But at any stage of your life, if you came in for a reading, unless I guess when you were going through like a big career transit, right. I would point you away from it because it's the yeah. thing you're the most comfortable worrying about. It's the thing yeah. you're the most comfortable talking about. And yes. you're very well equipped to deal with. Yes. It's the thing you're comfortable struggling with. It's not right. the, you're not fucked up around this. Like, right. you know, you're just like a person in a world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's easier to focus on these things. Yes. Because it feels like it can be that magical thing, like you yeah. said, that we've been talking about that can unlock, you know, more peace. Yeah. Well, also <laughs> more it's healing. because you don't have the same fear of losing control with work. Yes, that's right. That's why you're comfortable talking about it and you want to return to it because yes. it's not the thing that makes you fall like you're falling off a cliff. Yes. Uh, even though, you know, for a lot of people, work and career is that. For you, yeah. it's not. And right. all humans have a tendency to want to focus on the problem that is actually the most in our yeah. control yeah. instead of the problem that needs more of our care. I guess I'll just say one last thing before we're done. Being aware of and in resonance with the end of all things good yeah. and bad yeah is sad mm -hmm. and it's also honest and it's okay yeah and if you feel sad about the reality of things ending that's healthy and okay what you don't want to do is preemptively live the grief before yeah. it happens, because that right. does not protect you from the grief. Your survival mechanisms make you think that it protects you from your grief to right. preemptively feel that grief, but it doesn't. Yeah. Right. We don't want to get rid of your survival mechanisms. We want to make them more efficient. Yeah. So they're not constantly like running yeah. juice and you're like yeah. wasting all this energy on it. Yeah. I really think you're going to be able to like to get this. And mm -hmm. I don't think you're going to be without sadness and grief and control issues and fear. Yeah. And you will all of a sudden magically not have had your childhood or have your right. epigenetics. None right. of that. None of that. I think it's about finding peace within the mess. It's about finding uh, kind of acceptance within that, which is shit or not in your control. I think you can find that mm -hmm. not by magic, but through a practice through intention, through care right. for yourself and for others. That's how this is going to play itself out. So, you know, I'm really confident in, in you and you don't have to be confident in you. You just need to be in practice. Yeah. That's all you need. And through your practice, the confidence will organically emerge as it already has in your life. Right, right. Yeah. You, um, thank you so much for all of that. You know, the first thing you said about that it's okay to be sad. I think that's that's where I get tripped up because I I think the reality is very sad, yeah. and so there's this aspect of well, this isn't an overblown thing. This isn't something that is deeper. It's just it's 
everyone should be sad. Everyone you know, that should type be of thing. sad. Yeah. I mean, this is a very Capricorn thing. And so many other people are going to be like, what the fuck are these people talking about? But like, well, everyone know, should right? be sad. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we have a grasp on reality. Reality right. is sad. The human condition is sad. Exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm so glad that you like kind of said that. And so it, I don't, because re- I think I returned to that thought mm-hmm. a lot where I'm saying, okay, this feels like you're going down the deep end and then there will be another voice that says, but this is just reality. And that's it's just reality. This, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's such a helpful reminder. I mm-hmm. think that, that there is, there is some truth to it, but it's kind of the way I, I lean into it that yes. is not serving me. <laughs> yeah. It's not serving you. That's exactly yeah. it. I'm really glad we did this. Like, I'm deeply glad we did this and I can see like I hear in what you're saying, but also I can see a lot of things have clicked and shifted, like instantly shifted for you. Yes. So I see again, and nothing magic, nothing automatic, yeah. nothing perfect, <laughs> but I definitely see you like using this. And so yes. this makes me really happy. Yeah. It's, um, I've gotten so much, it's like continuous goosebumps throughout our conversation. And I didn't have the expectations that this was going to be everything that I was looking for, but it's, it's so much. And so I just thank you for this gift. It mm-hmm. It's, I don't want to say it's life-changing, <laughs> but it did because a thing. It did a thing. Because exactly. it's going to be hard. Yeah. Exactly. It did a huge thing. So thank you so much. It is my pleasure. It's so my pleasure. Violessa Thompson is the founder and CEO of Ramp Your Voice, an organization focused on promoting self-advocacy and strengthening empowerment among disabled people. Being a disability rights activist affords her the opportunity to be a prominent leader and expert who engages with individuals, politicians, corporations, educational institutions, and movement spaces with the intention of creating environments where disabled people do not just exist, but can thrive without barriers and stigma. If your organization would benefit from learning about disability from an intersectional, inclusive lens, then check out Ramp Your Voice. Vilissa is available for customizable services from speaking, writing, trainings, and consulting. Everything she does revolves around her being unapologetically herself and making good trouble. Visit rampyourvoice.com to learn more and book Vilissa, a powerful voice and force of her generation. My loves, we're going to get into your horoscope of September 11th through the 17th of 2022. But I'll give you a quick reminder. Mercury is retrograde. Uh, It's not the end of the world, but it's certainly annoying. This Mercury retrograde is likely to tint everything we're going through because, you know, it's annoying. And, And the annoyances are meant to slow us down a little bit so we don't go out and do and plan and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, remind us to reflect and use the rule of re's, right? We're supposed to reflect and recalibrate and reassess. And in doing this, it might be that things seem like they're slowing down. But the truth is things only slow down so that we make sure that we're going in the right direction. And I also want to remind you, that you're going to have to make plans. You're going to have to make decisions. You have to do the things that astrologers say don't do during a Mercury retrograde. And that's okay. 
every time Mercury goes retrograde, I'll get a few emails at the very least being like, I'm getting married or like I have this major thing planned. You just got to live your life. But if you know Mercury is retrograde, then you know to triple check things, right? And I want to just remind you with Mercury retrograde, just like with everything else astrological, what we can do is use this tool, astrology, to understand what's happening now, how it's related to what has happened in the past, and plan for our future, right? That's the move. So if you find yourself getting activated around anxiety, or you're like, oh God, what do I do? Then you're not using the tool the way it's meant to be used, right? If it's just creating panic. So do what you got to do. Live with the live with the weather fronts we're, we're dealing with. And uh, that's pretty much that. And before we hop into your horoscope, which is not too long this week, I want to thank everyone who came to my, my webinar on sex and sexuality last week. It was so fun. I think it went more than an hour over. So yeah, y'all are troopers. And if you missed it, but you still want to learn about sex and sexuality through the birth chart, the class is for sale on my website. You can go over to ghostofapodcast.com and find that and other classes there. So, you know, if you're in the market for learning more astrology. Okay, let's start with your horoscope. The first transit of this week is exact on the 11th. And that transit is a sun trine to Uranus. This is a lovely transit. It's great for creating progress, right? So Uranus itself is progressive and the sun is your will. And so if you have things that you need to move forward in your life that require some measure of innovation or risk taking, this is the transit for you. It's very possible that something will come out of left field or some sort of surprise will emerge that will be exciting and an opportunity for you. But with Uranus transits, similar to Jupiter transits, when we have opportunities come out of the clear blue sky, it's not just about the opportunity. It's also in some ways a test of how well you know yourself, because what is a good opportunity for someone else or a good opportunity on paper may not be the right thing for you, or it may be the right thing for you, but not the right time for that thing. And so there is a measure of needing to know yourself in order to make the most of this transit. And maybe you will get to know yourself better through this transit. You know, it can be really exciting. It can be really dynamic and a time of adventure and exploration. It can also just be like a chill, nice couple of days. You know, sun transits are always three days long uh, where you feel good. You feel open. And that's nice. You know, let's not judge it. This transit is happening at 18 degrees and 47 minutes of Earth sign. So the sun is in Virgo. Uranus is in Taurus. So if you have anything around 19 degrees of a zodiac sign that is directly aspected by Virgo or Taurus, then you will especially feel this transit. And that's a really good thing. So you're more likely to get a little more zhuzh for the transit uh, if, if you've got a planet that gets directly hit by that. But either way, it is a lovely time. If you are able to make new connections, social, professional, romantic, it's all very good. Uh, and it might be a little surprising, which again, when it comes to a sun trying to Uranus, the surprises are generally a pleasure. So, you know, lean into it, be open to it. If you're sitting around and you're like, well, should I leave the house? Should I go hang out with these friends? I don't really know them. The answer is yes. You know, 10th, 11th, 12th, the answer is Yes, I think you should. 
And that brings us to the 16th. And on the 16th, we've got two exact transits. One of them is a yay and one a not so much. So I'm going to start with the yay. The, the yay is on the 16th, we have an exact square between Venus and Mars. Venus is at 14 degrees of Virgo and we've got Mars at 14 of Gemini. And this is a great square. You know, not all squares and oppositions, aka hard transits or hard aspects are a bad thing or a stressful thing. Venus square to Mars is kind of exciting. It's great for socializing and connecting with other people and for creative endeavors in general. So it's a really lovely transit. It is not the most spectacular of transits, however, simply because it happens very frequently. And it's it's just like a nice a nice kind of breath of fresh air, a nice infusion into your creative and social life. But when we have a transit like the sun opposite Neptune happening at the exact same time, you're going to feel a little bit less of that Venus square Mars and a little bit more of that sun opposition to Neptune. So let me explain. The sun is at 24 degrees of Virgo and Neptune's at 24 of Pisces. And this transit provokes anxiety. This transit can kick up your desire to disassociate or just basically distance yourself from or avoid unpleasantness, while at the same time, it kind of weakens the auric field. In other words, it makes us more sensitive, more sensitive to the things we don't know, the things that are scary. This can make us a little bit more gullible or a lot of bit more gullible. And because this is a transit that is happening to everyone in all roles of society and walks of life. This can lead to misinformation and disinformation, shit talking, gossip, lies, you know, that kind of stuff. And sometimes lies are spread on purpose. Sometimes they're not. So we want to be really careful with this transit. It can be a time where you are feeling off, you know, you're feeling exhausted, you're feeling overwhelmed, demoralized, anxious, and seeking easy answers. That's unfortunately what Neptune can inspire us to do to seek kind of like these perfect, pure answers. And there is no shortage of people out there peddling uh, oversimplified answers to very complicated and nuanced problems right? And I want to just warn you to, you know, not buy any magic beans on and around this date, because it is highly unlikely to grow you a beanstalk. If something seems idealistic, too good to be true, um, absolutely perfect, like you could never go wrong, be wary. Okay, those are all things to be on the lookout for. Because it's hard to see things clearly when we're under the influence of Neptune. That doesn't mean, you know, you're screwed or things will definitely be bad at all. But it's really important to, you know, employ the 72 hour rule, which is simply to say, sit on it for 72 hours if you can. And if you can't, I would ask, what's the rush? And there might be a rush, but a sun opposition to Neptune during a Mercury retrograde, yeah. I'm going to be very cautious over the dates that this transit will influence, which are the 15th, 16th, and 17th, right? It's exact on the 16th, but all three of those days, I'm going to advise you, and I'm certainly going to take the advice to be real grounded and careful. You may be feeling, as I said, kind of demoralized or discouraged. That can happen under Neptune. And if that's the case, 
do what you can to nurture yourself, to support yourself. And whenever it comes to Neptune, you want to simplify things. So don't try to take on all the things. Take on whatever is directly in front of you that you can handle in a simple way. If things are feeling really complicated, do your utmost to simplify them. This will support you in managing this transit to the best of your ability. A lot of times, for a lot of people, this just means you're exhausted. You're just like, fuck, I'm so tired, right? And if that's the case, if you can, nap. And if you can't, recline. And if you can't do that, uh, you know, just be gentle with yourself. That's the move. Neptune transits or transits to or from Neptune will often remind us that we are spiritual beings in physical form having an experience. And within that reminder, we often have to reconnect to our true selves. And a lot of us, a lot of the time, get overwhelmed when we start to feel that because it takes us away from the immediacy of our material concerns. And we have so many material concerns, right? So you just want to be gentle and careful with yourself. Now, as I always say, during Neptune transits, not a great time for drugs if you can avoid it. And not a great time for proclaiming your love or making any kind of major move to, you know, process a deep in a deep way with people. It's not a great time to ask for a raise or anything like that. If you can avoid making major purchases, uh, please do. It's not a great time for major purchases. So, you know, there's some things to pay attention to. Now, the sun opposition to Neptune does have a positive. And that positive is that it is a great time for being in your spiritual body. And what that might mean to you might be very different than it means to somebody else. But having a spiritual experience within your body is a really powerful thing. And the sun opposition to Neptune is a good time, an uplifting time to pursue that. I just don't recommend getting high in order to do that. I recommend doing it without the use of facilitators. But you know, you do you as you see fit. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just here giving you my best advice. So the sun opposition to Neptune, it's a little stressy, a little anxiety producing. Rest as much as you can. Don't jump to conclusions. And unfortunately, because we also have the Venus square to Mars, it kind of fucks with our ability to like lean into socializing as a way to make yourself feel better. However, if you do have people in your life that you really trust and that you can really be chill with and be yourself with, this is a good time to spend with others, in particular, if you can have spiritual experiences with them, whether that's by like going to a concert where you're really moved by the music or getting a little more woo or whatever it is that works for you. You know, it, it can be a great time for that. But you know, Neptune, it's a little touchy. So you might want to be a little more chill than all that. So again, follow the energy. And if there is no energy, rein it in and take care of yourself. Okay. And that brings us to the final transit of the week. Yeah, this is a pretty chill week. And it's happening on the 17th. So there's going to be an overlap between uh, the Venus square to Mars and the sun opposition to Neptune and this other transit, which is a Mars sextile to Chiron. This transit is happening between Mars at 15 degrees of Gemini and Chiron at 15 degrees of Aries. And this can be a really powerful transit for moving through anger or passion or sexual issues. And moving through the, those emotions, those Mars emotions, in a chironic way. In other words, uh, healing these issues, healing these emotions. So you might be typically triggered by, let's say, anger or 
ambition or competition. And Chiron is likely to be like, okay, this is the thing that usually triggers me, but I can, I can be present through it. And that's the thing that I think is really important to look out for this Mars sextile to Chiron is your ability to use your body as a resource and tool for being present even when, or maybe especially when, you feel triggered, when you're dealing with like an old wound or something that is just really, you know, it gets under your skin. The sextile between these two planets can be incredibly empowering and transformational, but it's not always dramatic. So you might not notice it. It might be something that happens on a more subtle level. Like instead of taking the bait with the person who always triggers you, you're just like, oh shit, this thing that happens is happening and I'm not going to take the bait. I'm just going to be annoyed instead of annoyed and acting out. You know, it might be something as subtle and small as that, but that kind of thing is huge because big transformations are often made up of many small or smaller revelations and, and tiny bursts of progress. And so be open to small or large bursts of progress this Mars sextile to Chiron. Chiron has a way of exposing wounds, right? It has a way of exposing deep points of pain within us. And Mars is just aggressive. And so the kind relationship between them with this sextile is an opportunity to intentionally move through content inside of you or in your life that is potentially really difficult. So it's not like a a promise that you'll experience no pain or drama or whatever, but it certainly is a, an indicator that if you engage consciously and in an embodied way, because again, we're talking about Mars here. So when you deal in an embodied way with triggers and upsets, that this can have a lasting and powerful impact on you and the world around you. So rise to the occasion, you know, and because this transit overlaps with the sun opposition to Neptune, this isn't going to be the easiest thing to do. As I said last week, I believe Neptune and Mars are the two planets that are the most different from each other in the zodiac. Mars is is very much about the body and Neptune is very much about the ether. It's like up in the clouds, right? And so having these two transits overlap with each other can really empower us to cope with the Neptune energies in a more present and embodied way. Or on the flip side, having Neptune present with the Mars Chiron can kind of distract us from what's important and make us want to disassociate or avoid unpleasant emotions, especially unpleasant emotions in our bodies. So, uh, you know, here's the weather report. Do with it as you will. My hope, though, is that you pay attention to the emotions and impulses in your body all week, but especially the second half of the week, so that you can notice what's going on inside of you, what you need, and how to best respond not only to your own emotions, but to the people around you, whether it's your personal relationships or your community's needs. These transits may trigger people in a pretty dramatic way. The sun opposition to Neptune, um, I imagine, will be quite triggering for people who are very religious and religiously motivated, especially people whose religious convictions have a tendency to be very idealistic or very fear-driven, right? And when you pair that with the Mars-Chiron transit, this can have people really going out on a limb, or it can have people really finding something of meaning. I want to just 
bring your attention back to the body and remember that whatever it is that you're experiencing, whatever it is that you're going through, your body is there with you for it. So, you know, check in with your body. Be kind to your body and have grace for people who are doing it poorly or not doing it at all. People who are getting in your way or people who are rubbing you the wrong way. And that, my friends, is your horoscope. That's what we've got for this week. Now, I will give you a little heads up for next week because on the 18th, we will have a couple exact transits, but one of them is that Mercury opposition to Jupiter. I'll talk about it more next week, but I've talked about this transit a fair amount on my Patreon and here on the podcast because it's the transit that really does a lot to articulate this Mercury retrograde cycle. And so I want to remind you not to jump to conclusions and not to gossip not to shit talk, and, you know, to dot those I's and cross those T's. It's a Mercury retrograde. And when Mercury retrograde opposes Jupiter, it can get real messy. Let's, let's keep it as tidy as we can, this Mercury retrograde. I'm going to run through these transits one more time. On the 11th, the Sun and Uranus are exactly trying to each other. On the 16th, Venus and Mars are exactly square to each other, and the Sun and Neptune are exactly opposite each other. And then on the 17th, Mars and Chiron are exactly sextile to each other. Short and sweet, just like me. Okay, if you get value from Ghost of a Podcast, uh, please do join me over on Patreon where I drop lots of content all the damn time. And if Patreon's not your vibe, please consider hitting that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast and giving the show five stars and writing a positive review. It always means so much. It really does. Whatever you do this week, be kind, patient, and nurturing to yourself and others. And I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.